friends and fellow citizens and fellow patriots on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, welcome to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski, and I'm the president of the We the People Convention. And uh, we're recording this uh, podcast on Saturday, uh, May 29th, 2021. And it is Memorial Day weekend. And I think it's very important you know, that we, we talk a little bit about Memorial Day weekend. A lot of people, unfortunately, get it confused with, uh, you know, other days, Veterans Days and things like that. But uh, Memorial Day is a day that we honor the people in our military who gave the ultimate sacrifice, who gave their lives for our freedom, who died defending us. And I have historically done a chart and I will update this probably by Monday, that shows the number of um, people killed, uh, Americans killed in every war, starting with the Revolutionary War in 1775 and going through you know, our war against ISIS and in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and et cetera. And you'll see at the bottom of this sheet that um, there's about 1,320,000 people who have died to give you and I the life that we have, the freedom, the liberty, the prosperity, uh, they gave the ultimate sacrifice. And so on Memorial Day, you know, I, I need you to think about them. I know many of you have friends or relatives who have died, you know, fighting. Uh, and again, you know, this is specifically Memorial Day remembers those who died fighting. Uh, and, and so go visit their grave. Uh, drive through a cemetery and see the flags uh, because we you can never forget the price that was paid. We talk all the time about freedom is not free. We can never forget the cost of freedom and the fact that somebody has to pay that price and someday it may be us, but it's not free. And, and, and I really you know don't think we spend enough time thinking about what Memorial Day means. So I hope by uh, this list, you know, that kind of lists all the different wars and all the people, you know, who have died will help you, you know, focus a little bit better on that as you, you know, go through the weekend. Uh, I hope you have a good time with friends and family. Uh, this is kind of a the first time that people are not wearing masks, that they're going to be outdoors, barbecuing, throwing the baseball and football around, being in the pool, hopefully. I hope where you are, you get some warm weather. It's been uh, really cold and, and, and rainy here in Ohio. I know a lot of you down south got a lot of rain, but um, make the best of it. And most of all, you know, get together with family and friends and, and just rejoice uh, in the freedom and liberty that you have and the prosperity that you have. And we talk about this show, that that's what we do on this show. You know, this show is designed to help you and I protect and defend our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity, and the American way of life and our constitution. Nobody did that more than those who've died in our military fighting for us uh, throughout the, the centuries. And so, Let's let's you know, honor them properly, okay? Uh, toast to your buddies that are gone, that's uh, and your friends and relatives, etc. All right, so let's get into the show because a lot's going on this week. I've got a, a pretty long first segment here, but basically, uh, one of the most disturbing, uh, you know, things this week 
is that now that everybody is starting to come to the realization that you and I all knew, and that was that the Wuhan China virus was created in a lab by the Chinese military, and it's basically a bioweapon. Well, what does President China Joe Biden do? Illegitimate President China Joe Biden do? Yeah, he shuts down the Wuhan inquiry that Mike Pompeo was doing, but now he's being forced to reverse his position. Uh, let me read a little bit about that. Does Trump derangement syndrome have no end? President Biden overturned President Donald Trump's policies at the southern border, even though they were controlling illegal immigration. He's pushing for a return to the failed Iran deal, even though the Trump administration successfully reigned in that country's spreading of terror. Now it's revealed that Biden shut down an inquiry into the Wuhan lab and the origins of COVID-19 that was started by the State Department under Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo. Why? Simply because Trump was pushing it. One would hope that at a certain point, Democrats and the media would learn to think for themselves rather than just reflexively deciding that if Trump was for it, I'm against it. But that's probably asking too much. Biden at least reversed course on Wuhan after news reporting by the Wall Street Journal and others it became untenable for the administration to ignore the possibility that the COVID-19 China virus leaked from the Chinese lab. Biden has called for a new inquiry to replace the one he nixed, and he's basically saying that he wants a report back in 90 days. He's a liar. He doesn't want to report back at all. And you know how you can tell? Well, there was another story this week that the mainstream media didn't cover. And it was emails revealed Joe Biden did meet with Hunter Biden's business partners while he was VP. Joe Biden met with his sons, Russia, Ukrainian and Kazakhstani business associates, while Vice President's emails from Hunter Biden's laptop show. Hunter Biden wrote to a friend before the 2015 Washington, D.C. dinner that was ostensibly to discuss food security, but was in fact an opportunity to introduce his potential clients and partners to his powerful father. The shocking communications appear to fly in the face of the president's claim that he had no knowledge of his son's activities. Oh no, I had no idea what Hunter was doing while you were threatening the Ukrainians to withhold a billion dollars in aids unless you fired the prosecutor that was investigating the company your son worked for, right? No, I, I had no idea what Hunter was doing when I flew across the Pacific on Air Force Two with my son to meet with the Chinese as vice president. And on the way back, my son tells me that he got $1.5 billion in investment from the Chinese government. But Joe, Joe had no idea, don't you know? Yet the White House has remained silent over the revelations and has failed to respond to every request for comment about illegal activity and scandalous behavior evidence on Hunter's abandoned laptop obtained exclusively and verified by the Daily Mail. So the bottom line is, Joe Biden is an agent of China. Go to wethepeopleconvention.org, look, search on China, and you'll see a whole website, wait, page of link after link after link of China giving money to Democrats and specifically to Joe Biden. He's owned lock, stock, and barrel. And that's why you're not going to see him find anything out about China because the fix is in. However, former State Department official, you know, says that, you know, there's no evidence. You know, here, I mean, there's two questions here. You know, everybody's saying, well, was it a man-made virus, okay, or did it leak, you know, uh, naturally into the, you know, from, you know, bats, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, but here's the, the problem. A government probe last year into the origins of the coronavirus found practically no evidence 
COVID-19 originated from nature, former State Department official David Asher told Fox News on Thursday. We were finding that despite the claims of our scientific community, including the NIH and National Institute of Health and Dr. Fauci's NAID organization, there was almost no evidence that supported a natural zoonotic evolution or source of COVID, he told America Reports. The probe was led uh, led out of the State Department's Arms Control and Verification Bureau, initially launched at the request of former Trump Secretary of State Mike Pompeo before ending this year. Asher, the lead contractor on the subject, said the team investigated the two chief hypotheses for virus origins, the other being the lab leak theory that was gained credence after widespread media dismissal over the past year. The data disproportionately stacks up as we investigated that it was coming out of a lab or some supernatural source, meaning it was man-made by the Chinese military. This was biological warfare, okay? And that's that's... That's what they're going to find, or at least that's the truth. But I posted a story at WeThePeopleConvention.org this week that you should look at if you haven't. It said, what if the pandemic was man-made? Okay, who Will those responsibly be held accountable? And that's a really good question. It says, you may have noticed that after a year in which almost every health authority closed ranks to say that it was ridiculous to believe that COVID-19 emerged from a lab in Wuhan, now there is a rush to the microphones and newspapers to at least entertain the lab leak theory. Dr. Fauci himself, who had dismissed the lab escape theory as unscientific, is now saying he's not convinced that the COVID emerged in nature or at a wet market. Even the head of the World Health Organization said the lab leak couldn't be ruled out. After a WHO investigation that was practically designed to rule out the lab leak because the Chinese owned the WHO. Now, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that U.S. intelligence has reports in November 2019 that several staff of the Wuhan lab fell sick and had to be hospitalized in November 2019. Not 2020, okay? COVID-19, as of now, the World Health Organization estimates that nearly 3.5 million people have died of, and I put with, COVID-19 globally. Some estimates suggest between $16 and $28 trillion was lost in global economic output owing to the shutdowns, lockdowns, and supply chain disruptions that followed it. School closures affected 1.6 billion people. And that barely begins to talk about the small but unforgettable losses that lockdowns have put on our lives, the lost reunions, the family turmoil, the funerals, and weddings that were never attended. Okay? Is anybody going to be held accountable? Well, what if all this mounting, uh, this mounting of suffering in the last two years was a product of a bad safety practices at a lab in a city most people had never heard of until 2020? Or if it was partly down to the fault of a political party, the Chinese Communist Party, which, seeking to avoid embarrassment, prevented the world from discovering the nature of the outbreak when there was time to do something to prevent it from going global? Or was it the fault of American officials who underwrote gain-of-function research overseas despite the foreseeable risk of trying to make viruses found in nature more effective in human beings? If COVID-19 is man-made disaster, searching for the people, institutions, and governments that authored this disaster is not scapegoating. It's necessary fact-finding before doing justice. Yes, these people need to be brought to justice and you know one of the people that needs to be brought to justice is anthony fauci right because anthony fauci you know has has had been on every side of the issue so republicans are calling for fauci to be uh 
you know, basically fired. He shouldn't be fired. He should be arrested because, you know, he argued with Rand Paul in a House uh, in a Senate hearing that he had nothing to do with funding the, the Wuhan lab. And then, you know, just this week, he reversed himself and said, yeah, we gave them money, but they promised us they wouldn't use it, you know, for, uh, for you know, the purpose that it ended up being used for. He's a liar. He's, he's responsible. Anthony Fauci made money off of this. He's misled us. He's given us bad guidance. He needs to be held responsible. It's so bad that even the, 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 the leftist cronies at Facebook, the ideologues at Facebook, it's so bad that they've had to admit that they are going to stop uh, banishing postings that say the COVID-19 is man-made. Will we no longer ban from their platforms? That's how bad this is. They've even had to backtrack. And in light of the ongoing investigations into the origins of COVID-19 and in consultation with public health experts, we will no longer remove the claim that COVID-19 is man-made from our Facebook pages. The social media company in February announced in a blog post that it would take down posts that contained what it called false information about COVID-19, the disease caused by the Chinese virus, including that COVID-19 is man-made and that vaccines could be dangerous. We're going to talk about that in a second. Right. So the bottom line is that the, the whole story is falling apart. But Joe Biden is trying to cover it up by, quote unquote, you know, canceling the real investigations and creating another phony investigation where he's giving them 90 days to report back. Right. But no one is forcing the WHO to send a real investigation to Wuhan to gather the evidence. N- none of that's happening. Right. So we have to fight back as best we can. And one of the group that's been fighting back is the front, America's frontline doctors. They filed a motion for temporary restraining order against the use of COVID vaccine in children. Thank God. Okay. Um, they filed a motion in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Alabama requesting a temporary restraining order against the emergency use authorization permitting using the COVID-19 vaccine in children under the age of 16 and that no further expansion of emergency use authorization to children under the age of 16 be granted prior to the resolution of these issues at trial. The case will challenge the EUAs for the injection of several counts based on law and scientific evidence that, you know, emergency use authorization should never have been granted. The emergency use authorization should be revoked immediately and the injections are dangerous biological agents that have the potential to cause substantially greater harm than the COVID-19 disease itself after numerous laws have been broken in the process of granting these emergency use authorizations and forcing these injections on the American people. American Frontline Doctors founder, Dr. Simone Gold, spoke about the reasons for filing the motion. We doctors are pro-vaccine, but this is not a vaccine. And many of you you guys wrote to me this week and said, quit calling it a vaccine. Call it a shot, but it's not a vaccine. So thank you. That's what she says. This is not a vaccine. This is an experimental biological agent whose harms are well documented, though suppressed and censored and growing rapidly. And we will not support using American children as guinea pigs. She continued, we insist that the emergency use authorization not be relinquished prematurely, certainly not before trials are complete in October 31st of 2022 for Moderna and April 27th, 2023 for Pfizer. 
We are shocked at the mere discussion of this and will not be silent while Americans are used as guinea pigs for a virus with a survivability rate of 99.8% globally and 99.97% under the age of 70. Under age 20, it is 99.997% not deadly. That is statistically zero. Congratulations to them for fighting for our children. And, and, and so what is this all about? Why are they pushing? And I talked last week, and we're going to talk some more about natural immunity and all that stuff. But why are they pushing to have people who's already have it get vaccinated, right? They want everyone to get vaccinated. They want children down to six months age, six months to get vaccinated. It's all about the money. COVID vaccine profits meant nine new pharma billionaires. Uh, COVID-19 has created at least nine new billionaires after shares and companies producing the shots soared. Senior executives from China's CanSinoBiologics and early investors in Moderna have already become billionaires on paper as shares skyrocket, partly in expectation of profits earned from COVID vaccines, which also bode well for the company's future prospects. Um, Moderna shares price have gained uh, more than 700% since February 2020, with BioNTech has surged 600%. CanSino Biologic stock is up over 440% over the same period. The company's single-dose COVID-19 vaccine was approved for use in China in February. Activists said the wealth generated highlights the stark inequality that has resulted from the pandemic. The nine new billionaires are worth a combined $19.3 billion. Enough to fully vaccinate some 780 million people in low-income countries who aren't getting it. According to the World Health Organization, 87% of the vaccine doses have gone to high or upper middle-income countries. Why? Because you and I are paying for it with our tax dollars, right? It's all about the money. You think that democratic, you think that democratic, uh, you know, politicians aren't getting some of this money? You think big pharma isn't donating, you know, to to the Democratic Party? Yeah, we'll be looking into that, I guarantee you. But see, so the whole thing is corrupt, and you want more evidence of corruptness. Uh, there's a good article uh, in Zero Hedge. I hate the layout of his website, Zero Hedge, but he's got some good information. And he had this story. He said, caught red-handed, CDC changes test threshold to virtually eliminate new COVID cases among vaxxed people. Okay. So see if you can follow this while I, while I try to read this. The U.S. Center for Disease Control is alterating its practices of data logging and testing for COVID-19 in order to make it seem that experimental gene therapy, quote, vaccines are effective at preventing the alleged disease. They made no secret of this, announcing the policy change on their website in April and early May, though naturally without admitting the fairly obvious motivation behind the change. The trick is in their reporting what they call breakthrough infections. That is, people who are fully vaccinated against SARS-CoV-2 infection, but get infected anyway. Essentially, COVID-19 has long been shown to those willing to pay attention to be an entirely created pandemic narrative built on two key factors. First, false positive tests. The unreliable PRC tests can be manipulated into reporting a high number of false positives by altering the cycle thresholds, the CT value. In number two, inflated case counts. The incredibly broad definition of COVID case used all over lo- the world lists anyone who received a positive test as a COVID-19 case, even if they never experienced any symptoms, right? So the number of COVID cases is totally bogus. 
Without these two policies, there would never have been an appreciable pandemic at all. And now the CDC has enacted two policy changes, which means they no longer apply to vaccinated people. First, they are lowering the CT value when testing samples from suspected breakthrough infections. From the CDC's instructions for state health authorities on handling a possible breakout infection, the, uh, the CT values have been lowered to less than 28. Uh, CT values in excess of 35 have been the norm with labs around the world and going to the 40s. But now, and only for fully vaccinated people, the CDC will only accept samples achieved with 28 cycles or fewer. That can be only be deliberate decision in order to decrease the number of breakthrough infections being officially recorded. Secondly, asymptomatic or mild infections will no longer be recorded as COVID cases. So if you don't have any symptoms, right, and they're testing you for COVID that you haven't been vaccinated, well, then you're a COVID case, even though you have no symptoms. But if you were vaccinated, okay, and you don't show any symptoms, then they won't, they won't call you COVID. They're lying. So they're cheating on both ends. They cheated to make it look like there was more COVID out there than, than there really was. And now they're lying and cheating to protect the vaccinations by changing the rules so that these people who have taken the vaccine and are still getting COVID aren't being counted. And then they say, why do you doubt the science? Why, why, Tom, why do you doubt the science? Why wouldn't you doubt the science? Why wouldn't you? So here's another beauty of a story. Johns Hopkins professor says, ignore the CDC. Natural immunity works. A professor at the renowned Johns Hopkins School of Medicine advises uh, Americans recently to ignore guidance from the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention due to the public health agency's puzzling refusal to recognize natural immunity from previous infections. Dr. Marty McCary, uh, who also serves as a professor of Bloomberg School of Public Health, suggested uh, that 150 million Americans, or half the country, likely already has natural immunity to COVID due to having been infected with a virus and then recovering. Listen to that. 150 million people already have it. Now, Joe Biden's out this week, you know, promoting the fact that half of adults have gotten the virus, the vaccine, but more people have gotten immunity naturally. Yet despite this staggering figure, Marquet laments the fact that the CDC, in concert with the Biden administration officials, have neglected to recognize the reality of the situation. Instead, previously infected individuals who declined being vaccinated are routinely demonized by health officials who insist that virtually all Americans must be vaccinated before normal life can resume. But herd immunity has already been re reached, argued Marquet, citing up-to-date vaccination and infection data to suggest that 80 to 85% of Americans are cur currently protected from the virus. That's why I said to you last week, why is, is the case of the virus down 92%? Because there's no host for the virus to live. That's why. And they're, and they're just lying to you to say you have to get vaccinated. And, and, you know, and we've, we've talked about that and we've talked about it. Now, one thing that a lot of you guys have been writing to me about, and I really have been concerned about this, and I'm trying to help, but, but we haven't been able to get a lot of good information. I just got this in an email this morning from Peggy, and this comes from uh, Sydney Powell's legal group. And I'm going to try to post these on our website this weekend, and, and if you go to look at it. But these are two PDF forms 
that they want you to give to your employer and to your college if you uh, are being asked to get a, a vaccine in order to be employed or to go to college. And I thought this form was very interesting. So this is a form that they want you to give to your employer and make them fill out. So listen to some of these questions. It says, note to employee, be sure to document the date and time you submit this form to your employer and also document the date and time of their response if they refuse to sign it. Note to employer, as your employee, I'm requesting that you review this document, provide the requested information, sign the form in regards to your requirement that employees get a COVID emergency use authorization investigational vaccine. Okay, here are some of the questions. If I agree to receive the injection, does my employee health insurance plan provide complete coverage should I experience adverse effects or even death? As an employee, does my life insurance policy provide any coverage in the event that I die after receiving the experimental injection? As an employee, will you be providing workers' compensation, disability insurance, or other resources if I have an adverse uh, effect from the vaccine, from the experimental vaccine, and unable to work or come to, uh, come to work for days, weeks, or months, or if I'm disabled for life? The Food and Drug Administration requires that the experimental uh, you know, use vaccine recipients be provided with certain vaccine-specific information to help them make an informed decision about the vaccination. Do you have these sheets and are you going to provide them to me from all the various uh, uh, vaccine providers? Have you reviewed the available database of material, of, of material adverse events reported to date for people who have received the COVID-19 injection? You know, it, it says the FDA's guidance on emergency use authorization of medical products requires the FDA to ensure that recipients are informed to the extent practical given the applicable circumstances, that they have the option to accept or refuse the EAU product. Are you aware of this statement? Have you informed all employees that they have the option to refuse? The FDA says that you have to give them the right to refuse. They don't know that. Because again, I talked to you about the fact because this is not an FDA approved quote unquote vaccine, it's an experimental, you know, biological shot, you don't have to take it. So there's a whole bunch of stuff in here that I'm going to put out for, for you guys. And, and I'll let you know by fax or excuse me, by text or email. Make sure you go to wethepeopleconvention.org. There's some interesting questions for your college as well and a whole separate PDF. I'll get those posted. But if you don't get you know our emails or our text messages, please go to wethepeopleconvention.org and sign up for those because that's how I'm going to get this information to you. Okay? But you know, here's some more two more disturbing things, and then I'm going to take a break. Okay. This was a, a story, again, broken by Project Veritas. And as, as you know, we, the People Convention, we donate to Project Veritas because we think they're doing a real service to us, just like Judicial Watch and the ACLJ and, and you know, other people like Prager University and, and things of that nature. So they had a story this week where a Facebook data technician named Morgan Kamen disclosed documents that showed that Facebook was tracking your posts on Facebook, and if you were hesitant to get the vaccine, or if you just ask questions like, you know, you know, is this approved? They were then stopping people from seeing your posts. They wrote in a logarithm to take down the amount of exposure you got. And my question to you is, what the hell are you doing on Facebook? I mean, how much, how much more heinous can this be? What gives Mark Zuckerberger the right 
to stop you from asking an intelligent question. Right? Here's what's really going on, folks. They claim that they're, they're doing this to protect the people on their platform from misinformation. But as we just said in a story previously, where Facebook is now not going to block posts that suggest that the uh, virus was created in the labs in Wuhan, well, they were blocking true information, not misinformation. The bottom line is they have no right to block any information. And their, their insistence that they do is bullcrap. It's totally bogus. And your elected officials did this. Republicans and Democrats did this to us. But what are you doing giving them this authority over you? Send a text message to your family if you've got a question or your friends. You can send photos and text messages. You don't need to post on Facebook. But that's what they were doing. It's unbelievable. And the, and the documents came out to prove it. Project Veritas has the whistleblower. And oh, by the way, yeah, they immediately called this guy in, this Morgan Cayman in, and, uh, you know, had security people you know, clean out his desk and, and, you know, you're now gone. So uh, Project Veritas at projectveritas.com has a fundraiser for uh, Morgan and he's a good Christian guy and he did this because he knew what they were doing was wrong. We, the People Convention, have donated to him. If you want to uh, go to projectveracost.com, uh, you can find the links to Morgan Kamen's uh, GoFundMe account. And um, let's support the people who show courage to protect and defend us, okay? Let's do that. So we're going to take a quick break here. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. And my name is Tom Zawistowski. The We the People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We the People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We the People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. All right, and we are back. And again, we thank all of you who donate from all over the country. I mean, this week we got donations from Rhode Island, from Alabama, from Texas, from Hawaii, from Alaska. I mean, and of course, from Ohio, where we're based. And we thank all of you who donate, but we also thank all of you who take action because this show is about us doing things to protect and defend our country, our freedom, our, our liberty, our prosperity. And so, you know, we've been doing a lot of those things. Uh, let me, uh, you know, kind of you know, just tie up one loose end from the, the last segment. And this is there was a story out about lockdowns. And there's a new study that came out. And basically, it says the lockdowns didn't work. Okay. Lockdown mongers can point fingers, but they, the science is in. They're to blame. The ruling class is trying to blame those who are right about lockdowns from the start. Don't let them. They just flat out are wrong. Um, let's see here. A new study from the Chicago University economist Casey Mulligan validates that the anti-lockdowners knew all along. Lockdowns are a bad idea. After workplace implemented mitigation measures, they became far safer environments than people's homes. 
Available data from schools, hospitals, nursing homes, food processing plants, hairstylists, and airlines show employers adopting mitigation protocols in the spring of 2020, Milligan wrote in the study. Such mitigation protocols, including masking, reasonable social distancing, screening, and proving airflow, steps, prudent, steps people wouldn't take in their homes. The bottom line is that the lockdowns did not prevent the spread of the COVID vaccine, the COVID uh, Chinese virus, and they were a, they were a mistake. And we need to make that point so it never happens again. Because mostly they weren't a mistake; they were a violation of our constitutional rights—the right to leave our home, to go to work, to, to you know, to free have free movement, the right to not be put under house arrest when we haven't committed a crime. How's that for a concept? Anyway, so I want to transition now into the, uh, you know, our fight against critical race theory. You guys have been doing a great job about that. Uh, you know, there's a web page that's dedicated to this uh, at our website. On, matter of fact, on the very front page, you can see the, the buttons. Uh, one of them says, take back our schools. And you'll see this uh, graphic, you know, and the 1619 project. Um, we are happy that the U.S. House moved to stop critical race theory, uh, in, you know, in the military. And they're trying to do that by delaying the, the passage of the, uh, the National Defense Authorization Act, which is something that normally goes through. It funds our military. And I've said to you, we must draw a line in the sand. I sent out emails this week. I asked you to write to your House Congress members and your senators. U.S. Senators, and demand the Republicans not allow the National Defense Authorization Act to pass, to even filibuster it, if they have to, until they get critical race theory taken out of our military. Why would you and I give a dollar to our military that's being taught to hate America? That's what critical race theory does. Why would we fund that? It's that simple. So please go to this page at the Weedy People Convention website. And after the holiday, and matter of fact, a lot of these people, these senators and congressmen are home for the holiday. If you see them at a parade, bring it up. Two things. Get rid of critical race in our military. Defend Taiwan. Authorize money to defend Taiwan so that we can stop our biggest rival, communist China. So that's you know been a call to action. I've asked you to do it. If you haven't done it, do it in person when you see them. Do it if you don't do it in person. You know, go to their website. If you go to our website, you know, you'll see that story. There's a thing that links you to how you can get their information and even kind of gives you information on what to say to them. So please act. People are acting. I've been telling you about, you know, this fight, and you've seen videos all over the country of people in Virginia and different places. Well, here in Ohio, I posted a video on our website that showed our uh, citizens at the Rocky River board meeting, uh, you know, calling out the superintendent and the school board about their implementation, implementation of critical race theory using this other program. And this is what they're doing. They're hiding this stuff okay so in this video which you will make you very proud and i sent it out as a text and asked you to watch it because it would make you proud of your fellow citizens and show you that you can do this in your school district but what was amazing to me is that the superintendent of this rocky river high school of a school district is getting paid i mean i'm sure he's getting paid like one hundred forty thousand dollars a year from the school district 
He's got a side contract for $72,000 a year from this lefty Cleveland-based group that teaches critical race theory. The superintendent does. He's got to go. And our people stood up and fought back. And I was very pleased this uh, week that uh, the Ohio House uh, introduced a bill banning the teaching of critical race theory. And that's, that's a big step forward here in Ohio. A group of our Republicans say they are troubled by a new way some schools are teaching history and they want to put a stop to it. It's called critical race theory. Um, supporters say critical race theory uh, teaches how racism shaped public policy and life in America, but opponents like the House sponsors of House Bill 32 call it dangerous and divisive theory. Okay? And it is a dangerous and divisive theory. And here's in the, in the story they were talking about, is it really being taught in Ohio schools? Whether critical race theory is being taught in Ohio, uh, to Ohio kids is a hard question to answer. No, it's not. You just have to ask the question. But the media is not doing that. Parents have packed into school board meetings across the state, and superintendents have sent letters explaining what is or is not being taught in their district. But Ohio doesn't keep a list of which schools are teaching what materials. How convenient. The Ohio State Board of Education sets standards like you must teach about the Civil War, but it doesn't dictate what books or materials teachers use. This is a lie. Here's a quote. We do not promote any curriculum, Ohio Superintendent Paulo DiMario told the House Committee back in February when asked about critical race theory in a 1619 project produced by the New York Times. We respect that. Ultimately, it is the professional judgment of educators that matters the most. He said the state board does, quote, not promote any curriculum. He's a damn liar. Paulo DiMario, you're a liar. You committed perjury when you testified. Because you know damn well that you and the state school board implemented Rule 2 last summer in which you require every teacher and even parents and students and, and vendors and workers in our schools have to sit through critical race training. You require it in, in your, your Rule 2, you liar. And that's why we're going to pass this law and get rid of this, and we're going to get rid of you, DePaulo, and we're going to get rid of all the, the, the state school board members that Democrat DeWine, our fake Republican governor, appointed, who all voted for that state issue, too, for the school board. You're a liar. And, and the, the, the quote says here, that's not good enough for folks like Bear who want to see the boards take a stand against critical race theory. This is one more reason why we're pushing the backpack bill. Universal vouchers. Bear said, I bet school boards will be a lot more responsive if people say, I don't like what you're teaching. I'm taking my kid out and I'm taking their money with them. That's what we need. Vouchers. Free our children. A free market education system. Not a socialist, communist, public education indoctrination system. That is the answer. That is the answer. And people are trying to, you know, fight this, but we need vouchers. I was happy to see that taxes passed a bill uh, this week. House Bill 3979 makes certain that critical race philosophies, including the 1619 founding myth, are removed from our school curriculum statewide. When parents send their children to school, they want their students to learn about critical thinking without being indoctrinated with the misinformation, charging that America and our Constitution are rooted in racism, Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said about the passage of the bill. Hear, hear, Texas. But I, I want you to make sure you got this. 
I put out this letter that was written by a, a, a parent in New York. His name is Andrew Gutman. He's been on Tucker Carlson. Um, he's, he's been around. But the reason I want you to read this letter is because he did such a good job of explaining what critical race theory is, why it's evil, it's, it's racist, it's damaging to our children, and how the schools are doing this. And it's very enlightening. Go to wethepeopleconvention.org and read this article and then share it with your friends. I know some of you don't like to read a lot, but I'm telling you, this one thing is worth your reading. It's a letter that he wrote to his school board that's really, really powerful. Okay? Please do that. All right, so now let me take another uh, little break here. We'll talk about Liberty Camp for Kids. Uh, time is coming. Liberty Camp for Kids in Portage County is going to be on uh, Ju uh, July 19th through the 23rd from 9 a.m. till noon every day. It's a day camp. Cost is $30.00. You can get the tickets at libertycampforkids.com. And if you want to volunteer to work there, you can do that at libertycampforkids.com as well. Um, we also, if you want to go, we have two other camps, uh, one in, in Lake County, which is right next to Cleveland on July 12th through the 16th. And you, and you can do that through libertycampusa.com. Or there's one in Geauga County, which is a little south of Lake County, a little north of Portage County from July 26th to July 30th. And again, these are day camps as well. Go to libertycampusa.com if you want to send your kids there or if you want to volunteer to help. It's absolutely the best thing we've done in the Tea Party movement since I've been involved for 12 years. Kids experience the founding of America and they'll never forget it. I promise you. They, No matter what they try to do to indoctrinate them into hating America, they won't after they go to Liberty Camp. That's just a fact. Okay, so... On with the, the rest of the stories for this week, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, as predicted, Joe uh, uh, Mitch McConnell came out and said that he would not let the bogus, uh, you know, January 6th investigation go through uh, that Nancy Pelosi was pushing for. He would not let it go through the Senate. It did not pass, and this is the first case since Biden's been president where Republicans used the filibuster. And so they only got 54 votes. Five Republicans voted for this, including Ohio's Rob Portman, but the other ones like Markowski and Collins and, and, and Romney and the other clowns, okay? But the filibuster held and Joe Manson didn't cave. That's a good sign for future things. And again, last week we talked about 35 House Republicans who are traitors also voted for this January 6th. Uh, you know, investigation that would be about as real an investigation as the Mueller investigation of Russia, Russia, Russia. This is so bogus. It's, it's unbelievable. The Democrats have no interest in investigating what happened in January 6th. All they want to do is bring Trump back into the news. So all their failing media partners who are you know, CNN's you know viewership is down like 75% because if they can't talk about Trump no one's interested in their lies okay and so they just wanted to just beat up on you and me and Republicans you know if you're going to investigate July 6th you have to investigate why those million Americans were there that day why were they there because they felt the election was fraudulent and was stolen and they wanted their representatives to investigate it 
That's why they were there. You think the July 6th commission or January 6th commission was going to investigate that? Yeah. Yeah. Nice try. Nice try. Not happening. Anyway, all those people who vote for it, the Republican, they need to go. They need to be unelected. You're traitors. You're, you hate our country. You're, you're as lefty as any Democrat. You need to go. It's that simple. Make a list. Dave Joyce, my, uh, Anthony Gonzalez in Ohio, Rob Portman, you got to go. We're going to work hard to make sure you do go. The other big news this week, and just, of course, happened on Friday before the Memorial Day weekend. Why? Because they don't want you to know what they're doing. Biden proposed budget to push spending to the highest sustained levels since World War II. Joe Biden is pushing forward a $6 trillion budget. $6 trillion. He's nuts. The man is certifiably insane, okay? And you know what it's all about? It's, it's, it's not, I mean, this isn't World War II. We're not fighting World War II. We're not in a, we are in a global war with China, but we don't have millions of troops on the ground in foreign countries fighting on the ground, right? So why are we spending all this money? Let me give you an idea of what Joe Biden's got in this piece of garbage, okay? $10 billion for clean energy innovation, $7 billion for NOAA, National Aeronautics and NOAA Research. $6.5 billion for rural clean energy storage transmission products. $4 billion for advancing climate research. $3.6 billion for water infrastructure. I'm good with that. $1.7 billion for retrofitting homes and federal buildings to be more energy efficient. $1.4 billion for environmental justice initiatives. What the hell is that other than a $1.4 billion giveaway to Democratic lawyers, right? That's what the hell that is. This budget can't pass. The Republicans are going to have to show some stones. They're going to have to fight this because this isn't a budget. This is a transformation of America. It's anti-capitalism. It's destruction of your jobs. It's, it's deferred. It's, it's basically jobs for the rest of the world, not for Americans. It's America last. That's what this is. So we'll be talking more about this, but it's just, it's just a left wing fantasy. That's what this is. And, you know, again, six trillion dollars, folks. Our income to the federal government is like four trillion a year. They're predicting a $1.8 trillion deficit every year that Biden's in the presidency through this budget. That's nuts. You know why it's nuts? Yeah, look at these numbers. We've been talking about inflation, okay? Inflation is a tax on the common man. And Joe Biden keeps telling you that this $6 trillion budget is, you know, is going to be paid for with taxes on the wealthy. No, it's not. It's going to be paid for by you. Here's some statistics. The previous cost of wheat was $5 a bushel under Trump. It's $7 under a bushel under Biden, a 41% increase. Corn, $3.19 a bushel under Trump, $6.44 a bushel under Biden, 102% increase. Copper, 2.33 cents per pound under Trump, $4.71 a pound under Biden, 102% increase. Gasoline, $1.77 a gallon under Trump, $3.04 a gallon under Biden and going up, a 72% increase. Lumber, $322 per thousand boards feet for under Trump, $1,390 a 
1,000 board feet under Biden, a 332% increase. That's what you're paying, what you buy. And that doesn't even talk about groceries. Doesn't even talk about, you know, I mean, this is going to be your, your electric bill, your gas bill, your, your gasoline for your cars. But oh no, don't worry. You know, it's for the good of the world, right? When there's no evidence, zero, even the, the wackiest leftist climate person will admit that if we implement all of this stuff that destroys all of your lives, your jobs, your comfort, your fun in life, your prosperity, we will affect the world temperature by like less than two-tenths of a degree. It will make zero difference. That's why this isn't about climate. This is about the destruction of capitalism so that communism can take over. This is about you being dependent on the government for the very food you eat and the health care you receive. That's why you got to fight this. They're trying to enslave you. Speaking of, you know, again, just every bad policy. We talked earlier in the show about, you know, the, the, the Trump derangement syndrome and the left just, you know, reversing everything Trump did, even if it worked, right? Well, here's a one that was one of my favorites under uh, Hussein Obama, right? And this was Joe Biden plans to revive the school rules, punishing kids according to skin color. This was the stupid idea that the Obama people put forward that the reason more black children were being sent to detention was because we were racist, not because they didn't have fathers and families and discipline at home and they actually were acting up in school. And so the Obama people destroyed your children's education because they stopped basically sending kids home that were disrupting your classes, okay? In a continuing effort to appease the far left, Biden is looking at re-implementing the race-based school discipline policies from the Obama administration. Based on the assumption that differences in suspension and expulsion rates among racial lines must indicate racism. As a result of this guidance, suspension rates fell across the country. This policy was reversed under President Trump, but the current administration is ready to bring them back. The claim to difference in suspension rates by racial groups are wholly the result of racism is based on shaky evidence at best and has been pointed out by Heather McDonald. Once prior student behavior is accounted for, the effect of race on suspensions largely disappear. Research that has compared student referrals to the principal office with eventual suspension rates has found no racial disparities. But you know what it has shown? It has shown disruptions in the classroom and violence against teachers and fellow students have risen. Joe Biden's going to re-implement that because our schools aren't shitty enough. We need to make them even shittier. Thanks, Joe. But we care about the kids, right? We care all about the kids. And he also is going back to an old, old friend of theirs, tried but true. Conservatives have a new target, Biden's IRS plan. Republicans have divided whether Biden should try to collect $700 billion from tax cheaters from his family's plan. So what the Biden administration is saying is that they want to spend a bunch of money to hire a whole bunch, 87,000 new IRS workers over the new next decade to collect money from tax cheats, right? So they want to go after you and I even more than the IRS does now. But see, we've been through this before. I was the lead plaintiff, one of the lead plaintiffs, and the and you can watch the movie targeting us at wethepeopleconvention.org. Uh, but I was one of the lead plaintiffs of the IRS targeting the Tea Party groups. 
This is Joe Biden going back to the game plan of we're going to use the IRS to keep you in line, to make sure that if you oppose the government, we'll hurt your business, we'll hurt you personally. And Republicans are wisely stepping up and fighting this because I got news for you. The IRS doesn't need any more agents to stop the cheating. They just need to enforce the laws, but they don't. They don't enforce the laws because they first have to check what your politics are. That's what it really comes down to. Now, many of you guys have been writing to me, and, I, and, and if you go to our website, you know, you'll, you'll see on the front page a button that says, you know, uh, stop election fraud, or here's the evidence uh, of election fraud from around the country. And there's all kinds of stories on that webpage. And Republicans in multiple states are mounting investigations in the circumstances surrounding the 2020 elections, including not just Maricopa County, which we've been watching really closely, but Wisconsin, Georgia, and New Hampshire. They are all putting forward uh, audits, okay? They, they want to put forward audits to, um, as far as the, uh, you know, voters in, in their states, you know, counting ballots. Now, we had a setback in Florida, not in Florida, in Georgia this week, where a judge last week, I told you, had allowed the Fulton County ballots to be, you know, actually viewed by this group that was challenging them. Another judge stepped in this Friday and stayed that order because the Democrats are saying that you might, uh, you know, you're, you're disenfranchising our voters by showing their ballots. The ballots don't have anybody's name on it, folks. The ballots just show who you voted for, but it doesn't have your name on it. There's nothing there. They don't want us to count the ballots because the counts are off. They cheated. They lied. We got to prove this. In Ohio, they passed a bill this week, or they, they put forward a bill this week that would eliminate early voting in Ohio the day before an election and stop the mailing of absentee ballots 10 days before the election. And it got its first hearing in the Ohio Senate. And of course, the Democrats walked out and they claimed, you know, this is your know, voter suppression, don't you know? Okay, if Republicans are unwilling to hear the people out, Democrats are going to take this issue to the people. Okay, you know that you know they're rolling back you know the right to vote. We're not rolling back anything. Their premise is that black people are too stupid to follow the rules to vote. We don't believe that. We have black friends and relatives and people we care about, and they're not stupid at all. And this is just a dodge. And so you know they. Ohio succeeds at elections because we found the right balance of voter access and election security, said Ray, a former member of the Medina County Board of Elections and Ohio Elections Officials Association. I think we can all agree that it is in our best interest to build off the balances, utilizing both technology and best practices to improve upon our election system. I believe this bill achieves that objective. Democrats, however, have been critical of the bill from its beginning, saying the elimination of early voting days, along with two-factor voter ID to request an absentee ballot online, disenfranchises voters, particularly minority voters. They also makes the process more confusing, i.e., yeah, black people are stupid, according to black people, according to the Democrats, according to their leaders, right? We're not disenfranchising anybody. And here's the dirty lie. In Ohio, we have 30-day voting in person in advance. We've got absentee ballots. We've got so many ways to vote, it's not even funny. I believe you should have to vote on election day, period. That's the way it should be. And we're going to work towards that. And we want to get rid of election machines. We want paper ballots. That's the only way to have a fair election. 
But what's so hypocritical, these people all over the country, is they're saying you're, uh, you know, you're in a red state. You're trying to discriminate against blacks by by not having every possible way to vote that we want to have. You know, ballot harvesting, drop box on every street corner, absentee ballots that are mailed in with no signatures, no validation, no nothing. But in their in their blue states, what do they have? Go look at the rules in New York State. New York State, you have to vote on election day. Yeah, never call them out, but they're always calling us out because you're a racist, don't you know? So here's some more stupid Democrat tricks. Just, you know, just a few more stories. We're going to wrap up. Democratic mayor dooms St. Louis with pledge to defund police as murders soar. And this is uh, in Breitbart. I, I feel zero sympathy for the people of St. Louis. None. Just last month, a mud. Amid a soaring murder rate, the highest murder rate in 50 years, as well as the highest in the country, the idiots of St. Louis, Missouri, still vote to elect a Democrat as mayor, a lunatic named Tashara Jones, who made no secret of her desire to make things worse, much worse. Uh, Let's see here. She says, let's see, the uh, the, the police department has already nearly 100 unfilled jobs, and their mayor wants to defund the department and shut down a city jail. St. Louis's Tassara Jones, who became the city's first black female mayor last month, has campaigned on a promise to enact progressive criminal justice reforms. The head of the city's corrections department is also on his way out because Jones announced, as Jones announced his resignation last week, saying she hasn't requested he step down, but made clear he wasn't really wanted. The homicide rate in deep St. Louis is 87 per 100,000. How bad is that? Well, second place is Democrat-run Baltimore with seventy with 57 per 100,000. So 87 per 100,000 versus 57 per 100,000. This ridiculously dangerous mayor actually says she does not believe additional police will have any effect on the crime and murder rates. Get that. More police doesn't prevent crime, the 49-year-old Harvard-educated mayor told the Telegraph last week. Research done in the police department shows that 50% of calls can be answered by someone other than police. So why not deploy someone other than police and free up police to do the work they were trained to do in our academy? She's also closing the prison, which holds 600 you know, inmates, so that $7 million they save each year can be spent on mental health emergency workers and social services. St. Louis is already... a S-hole city, now it is a stone cold doomed. Even before this explosion of violence, the murder in St. Louis rivaled Latin America. Folks, the Democrats, you know, there's a saying that people make that when Republicans get elected, they don't know how to govern. And there's something to be said for that, right? Because they're always just pleasing their donors and not governing right. But the, the Democrats, when they get elected, not only do they not know how to govern, they do the opposite of what anybody wants them to do to govern. They are giving you and I a gift, okay? A big gift. And that is this defund the police effort is going to kill them. These homicide rates are killing minorities. Unbelievable rates. I mean, you know, the murder rates in some cities like Chicago, New York, LA are up 100, 200, 300, 800%, just like St. Louis. They're giving it to us. Nobody wants open borders. Nobody wants war with Israel. Nobody wants inflation. Nobody wants us to be energy dependent. Nobody wants to defund the police. And you're, and you're going to see a story in a second where Newt Gingrich is getting involved with that. Um, matter of fact, let me go, let me just go right to that. Um, it was 
Politico had a story this week that said that Trump is meeting with Newt Gingrich to come up with another contract for America type thing, okay? And if you remember, when Newt Gingrich was the House Speaker, he took back the House for the first time in 40 years. Okay, this is like in the 1980s when Bill Clinton was president. And he did that by doing this contract with America. Well, Gingrich, I heard him on one of the shows, Fox or something, this week, and he said they've been polling, and there's like, like 80 different issues that Americans, 75% of Americans are in favor of that the Democrats are against. From things like open borders and energy efficiency and, and things of that nature. So this contract with America that, you know, that Trump is looking to Gingrich to do is basically something that they want to give to every Republican, whether you're running for county commissioner or city council or you're running for state house or senate or congress or U.S. Senate. They are, they want you to all speak from the same voice. There's been some criticism, right, from uh, Trey Gowdy and others that the Republican Party just isn't articulating what the hell it's for. This is an important thing. And so I applaud the fact that Trump is finally getting some help because I, I was on an interview with Don Gagne on National Public Radio this week, and I said to him, unlike you on the left who idolized Barack Obama and never questioned him, we don't idolize Donald Trump. Some do, but the vast majority of us don't. We, we respect him for his skills. We appreciate what he did. We also know his weaknesses. And guess what? He's not president now because he made mistakes. We're looking to see if he's learned anything and if he can do better. So when he goes out on these, I told you there's going to be four rallies, one in Ohio, Florida, um, I think in, in one of the Carolinas, I forgot the, the four places. They're going to announce them for June. And I said, you know, these are going to be big rallies. But I don't want to hear Donald Trump in a non-election year just talking about himself. I want him to show leadership. I want him to lead us. The number one question I get via text, phone call, email, in person from you is, what can I do to help? Donald Trump needs to tell you, just like I do, what to do to help. Run for a school board. Find out if they're teaching critical race theory. Fight it, okay? You know, fight the vaccines. Fight the mass. You know, he needs to tell you that we need to, you know, elect certain people, that we need to uh, help, you know, get rid of the rhinos so we can get the implementation of the laws we want. Donald Trump needs to show us that he's learned. And he needs to put together, and maybe this Gingrich thing is a step in the right direction, some sort of a coherent national connection to you and I. Because I don't want him just telling us that I'm endorsing so-and-so in this race. I want him asking us who we want him to endorse. Right now, that's not happening. Because Donald Trump has no connection to us. I've never met the man. I could talk to people around him, but it's like trying to communicate through carrier pigeon. Every political organization in history has had people in every state who are tied to the grassroots who communicate back and forth. Hey, we're thinking about doing this. What do you think? Well, we like this, but not that. Or we can say, hey, have you thought about this person? And they say, no, who's that? And we can educate them and maybe they can act. That doesn't exist in Trump world. They got to fix that. That's called being dumb. That's what that's called. 
You're not going to win when you don't have the organizational structure. And last week, some of you wrote to me and said, quit idolizing Donald Trump. I never said I idolized Donald Trump. I said that he's a key weapon. There's no doubt he's the leader of our movement because he does stuff. He acts. And we need Donald Trump. But we need Donald Trump to be our partner, not our ruler, not our dictator. We don't put up for anybody. We don't kneel to anyone. That's what being an American is. And so the Trump people need to get smart. And maybe this situation with Newt Gingrich is a step in the right direction. Okay? Maybe that's going to happen. But we need to encourage this because, you know, we got a lot of fighting to do, a lot of winning to do. And Donald Trump can be our leader and we need him to not be a politician, but be a leader. Some people tell me he can't do that. I disagree. I think he can do that. Okay, got one more thing I wanted to mention to you because I thought this was important and then we'll wrap it up. 60 Minutes did the unthinkable. They did a show last week about people who regretted switching, in, who transgenders who regretted doing all the surgeries to change their gender. And it was a blockbuster. And you can find the videos on uh, YouTube, okay? Now, 60 Minutes got just beat the hell up. Because why? Because having these people on who said, oh, well, I'm a boy, but I think I'm a girl, or I'm a girl, I think I'm a boy, and they had their breasts removed, and this one girl had all of her female organs removed, and all this stuff, with no scrutiny. They, this show showed that no one was, these kids are coming in, and by the way, they're coming into Planned Parenthood, and saying, oh, I think I'm a boy, I want to transition. No pushback. Just fill out the form. This one girl went from walking in the door and saying, I think I'm a boy, to having her breast removed in four months. This is unconscionable. It's a total failure of our medical and particularly our psychological you know, uh, professionals. They're not professionals. They're ideologues. They're chickens. They're scared to defend the lives of children. So this video on 60 Minutes showed all these people who said, I regret it. I transitioned back. I found God. I'm happier than ever. And oh man, the lefties couldn't have that because it might stop people from transgendering, transitioning, right? This is what we need. And in one of those shows that one guy talked about, there's 1.5 million transgenders in America. How in God's name can 1.5, a minority of 1.5 million, which I think is bogus, is high, okay, out of 330 million people, how can they be changing your ability to use a shower for your daughter or the restroom for your wife or they're, they're changing women's sports? How can we let the tyranny of this under the bogus guise of your bias, your presence? There are no laws. They've tried like how Obama lied. And pretended he sent a letter saying that you know that Title IX and and discrimination laws you know pr include gender. They don't. The law was never changed. You cannot discriminate according to race or or, or sex, but not gender. And yet people act like it's the law. Bullcrap. You're mentally ill. You have gender dysphoria, and I'm not going to torture you. I'm going to find you help. But you're not going to change the way I live because of your mental illness. Because why? A bunch of communists are using you just like they used gays to destroy our culture, to attack our families, to attack our, our, our religion. 
That's what they did. They didn't give a damn about gays. They cared about destroying the church. Okay? That's what they use gays for. You're useful idiots. And transgender, they're manufacturing these girls because it's cool, don't you know, to say you're a boy. Right? Go watch the videos and watch some of those girls that tell you why they thought they were a boy and how they thought they'd be more loved and all that stuff. It's well worth your research. This was a seminal moment, and we are winning this fight, and we're going to stop this transgender madness because it's not a right. They're sick. Okay? You can't change your gender. It's called science. Chromosomes. Right? DNA. Can't do it. No matter what you cut off. And we as a society aren't going to be well until we all admit that. And you need to make everyone you know, every family member you know, you push them in that issue and make them admit you can't change your gender. Force them to say the words. They can't force you. Okay, we're going to wrap it up for this week. I sure appreciate you, you know, listening and watching and sharing. If you need to get our emails and stuff, go to wethepeopleconvention.org. If you want to uh, and sign up right on the front page, give me your phone number so I can text you. Um, send us your comments. Send us your ideas. Send us information at info at wethepeopleconvention.org. Be sure to celebrate Memorial Day properly. Remember those you know who died fighting. Not, you know, not just they served in the military and they're gone. Yes, we always remember them. But Memorial Day is those men and women, mostly men, who've died over the history of our country, over a million of them, to give you and I our freedom, our liberty, our prosperity, our American way of life. And we honor them on this Memorial Day, and I hope you will. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again next week. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski.